I think there's so much that's so important. It's, it's a central part of the entire book of the Bible and uh, this, this one chapter. And so uh, the Apostle Paul's writing here, and, and uh, because we're given a new life in Christ, we now have a new identity, a new community, and a new purpose. We, we, will, see, uh, we will see ourselves in the church different. That's my opening statement. That's what I want you to get a hold of. I want you to think about the fact that, that when we made Jesus Lord, we have a new identity. You know, it doesn't really matter how much of the Bible we understand. If we don't know who we are in Christ, we're not going to have the full access to God. We're not going to have confidence to come to God. These are foundational truths that are critical because we can study and read volumes. I always tell people when you're, when you're going into your Bible study in the morning, whenever, whenever you, hopefully every morning you develop a habit of picking up your Bible, you do a, a devotion, you listen to my high call uh, uh, Bible study uh, that's live on Facebook, you, you look at different things, some of the other things that are available to you. And you know, I just encourage you to, uh, to take time in the Word of God and not just have a, some of you, some of you who are very uh, disciplined type people, you will think, okay, I'm going to read a chapter a day, and by golly, come hell or high water, you're going to read a chapter a day whether you absorb any of it or not. At least that's the way I was whenever I did that. I would read, I was going, by golly, I'm going to read a chapter a day, and I'd read a chapter a day, and, and I'd get done, and I'd think, wow, I did my, did my due diligence, I accomplished my goal, check it off the list, but I didn't get a doggone thing out of it. What worked for me, and, and I challenge you to consider this, is, is I would read and begin wherever I was needing to, but when God began to speak to me or it began to resonate within me, I stopped. And I might camp on that for the entire time that I had for, with God. I might take that, that one scripture or, or just a few words out of that scripture and just grab hold of them so that I absolutely understood and knew them that they were mine. Because once we get those foundational things like our identity in Christ and what He's done for us and all that we've been teaching over these weeks, understanding what G our need for a Savior, that He gave it to us as a, as a free gift, but we have to appropriate it by faith in Christ and in, in, in receiving that and choosing to say, I am, Jesus is my Lord. That's why I love that song that we closed with. Jesus, you're my Lord. I mean, He is Lord. See, the power of that is that we are making a declaration. There's a lot of times when, when I can walk the floor in, in concern, but then I begin to put my focus on Him and just making that statement, You're my Lord. And what does that mean? It means Jehovah Jireh. That, that song, that, that Hebrew name for God that God used, one of the ways that He described Himself to the children of Israel was Jehovah Jireh. It meant God who provides. It meant that while they were in the wilderness and while they were in those times of need, that God was going to show up. And see, me and my, my time with God, if I know who I am in Christ, that I'm His. I can come into, him, come into His presence. I can open this book. I can read and study and with a different a uh, different mindset, a different idea. You see, if I have an identity that says that I'm less than enough or I'm not worthy, I'm not going to come in with the same confidence. We have to settle that what God said about us is enough and is true. We can't... In, in fact, we should get to a point where if we, if we hate things about us like sin, that's one thing, but to hate ourselves and hold ourselves guilty... We're actually going against God. 
We're speaking against God because what does God say? God says that when you're His, that you are enough by right, by, you are righteous because Jesus' blood was enough. See, we, we, we get a new identity and we say, okay, yes, I fall, I fail. Yes, I, you, you can, I, I don't discount that. But I settle that I am His, I am yours. That foundation, and that says that's where I draw the line. I don't put the tags of, of those old tags and that old man on me anymore. I begin to see myself and walk in that. And part of what we have to do is we have to declare ourselves as God says we are. Our words are so important. Because we've got to cancel out. If you haven't, if you didn't see Tuesday night's sermon, I think it was last Tuesday night. It was last Tuesday night when I talked about the real. Yes. Last Tuesday night, Cowboy Church service, go on to Facebook and find that, find that sermon. In, or it's on my, it'll be on my podcast. If you like audio podcasts, you can go to High Call Ministries podcast. We put all the sermons on there just in an audio form, uh, just the preaching part of it. And so it makes it easy to just listen to them. And, and man, I, I, I would just turn them on and just let them run. But that Tuesday, last Tuesday, I talked about, I don't remember what I titled it, but uh, I titled it, uh, but I talked about that God showed me the picture of us in our mind having a reel. Like, like I'm talking about like reels like you see on Facebook and, and Instagram. The things you can waste a lot of time with, okay? I, I admit sometimes I get to flipping through those reels. But what does that reel do? It starts here and it goes through and loops to, and then it loops again and it loops again and loops again and it just keeps looping. And if you want to show it to somebody, I mean, I'm over here cracking up. And Sue will say, what are, you, what are you laughing at? I say, wait, 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 wait. You can't look at it yet. It's, it's coming back around. When it gets to the start, I show it to her. As soon as I show it to her, and she'll look at it, and she'll, she'll usually roll her eyes, and she doesn't think it's as funny as I do. <laughs> but, 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 but what happens is it comes back around. But what do we have the ability to do? We have the ability to swipe that back up. See, sometimes words do that in our minds, and, and, and our old past, our old man, there's an argument in our heads, in our minds. We gotta have. We gotta be able to change that real. We gotta be able to change that uh, that understanding. And we've got to get settled in our mind. This is my identity. What Jesus said about me. This is what I'm going to to choose to to walk in and believe. You know, this was how Peter overcame the fact that he denied Jesus three times, even though he said he wouldn't. I'll die for you. And yet, what did he do? Denied Jesus when the pressure was on. He ran. But yet, what did Jesus do? Came back and with compassion and love restored him. But the thing that held him and, and was able, enabled him to do that is he had to take Jesus' new words about him. He had to understand that he was forgiven. He had to understand that he was restored by, by, uh, by Jesus. And he had to understand and take on that new nature that came to live and dwell on the inside of him, the spirit of living God after the day of Pentecost, after they were born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing, the difference in Peter? But see, here's the thing. Peter could have easily fallen back. He could have easily heard the voice of, yeah, but you denied him three times. You were weak in the time of pressure. But he had to choose to, to, to say about himself and believe about himself that he was who he, was, who he said he was. Why did the Apostle Paul spend all that time talking about who he is in Christ Jesus, how, how the old things have passed away, the new has come, why did he talk about it? He says, I, I, I forgetting those things behind. I press on towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says that in Philippians uh, chapter 3. 
about verse 14. He comes to that place. He says, I've got to forget it. I've got to let it go. I've got to, I've got to swipe up from that reel this, that reminds me that I was once a one who crucified and imprisoned Christian, Christians. That's the Apostle Paul. Before he became a, 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 a Christian, he was, he was anything but. And even, in, even he talks about how he failed and did the things he didn't want to do even after being a Christian, not walking the perfect walk, the perfect life, but yet he chose to follow the identity that Jesus Christ provided for him. You see, here in, I uh, hadn't even read any yet, but uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. The spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by, by him we cry, Abba, Father. You see, we've we got to understand something. There, there, there is a new identity that we have when we're in Christ Jesus. He said, I don't have to be afraid as a slave would be afraid or as a, as a servant would be afraid. He said, now I'm a son of God. In fact, we can come to God. We cry out to God as Abba, Father. See, that's an endearing kind of term. It's a term that means like dearest daddy. It was the difference. I never called my dad father. That seemed to me something cold and, and callous. That seemed something, something uh, it would be respectful. But for me, it was daddy. And he died young enough, and I was young enough. We, we always refer, we still refer him to him as daddy. I don't remember ever even calling him dad. I, I always, we always called him daddy. Well, see, here was the thing. I, that's helped me in my approach to God. I've understand and I've seen God as a good, good father, meaning an Abba father or a God who, who has that personal relationship and that, that of, a, of a good father. Now, if you didn't have a good father as an example, then this might be a little more difficult for you. But again, change the real. Look at God as that good, good father, that per perfect example. See Him for what he, you need Him to be. There's so many times that I've had to run to God because my earthly dad wasn't there. I've run to God as my father. I've gone to him, and, I've, and, and in that approach, understanding this way to come to God as the perfect example, the perfect father, and come to him in that manner. You know, <clears throat> uh, what, what, we, what we just read looks like, uh, whenever, well, let's, let, me, let me read the other verses. Sorry, let me go to verse 16. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Not if we are children, uh, or, or now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Now, in this, in this uh, example of, of these verses, and, and, and really the verses ahead of that as well, but it, it's painting that picture of the Exodus story, of the children of Israel being set free from Egypt and, and being, after being enslaved for 430 years. Generation after generation after generation, they were, remained slaves in Egypt. They had all of their needs met, but they, had a, they were under brutal conditions building the bricks and, and building the, the palaces and the, and the uh, pyramids for, Egypt, for the Egyptian pharaoh. 
They, they were there doing slave work, labor, slave work, and had no freedom to worship their God. And, and God heard their cries. And so God sent a Savior to them, Moses, a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And the picture was so clear because he even had them at one point use a Passover lamb and instill and institute the first Passover, which was a, a, a taking a, a spotless lamb, a perfect lamb, and, and, and doing with it what basically completely pictured the cross and what Jesus would go to. And he told them to take the blood, and he, and he gave them very specific instructions. And he, he said, take the blood and you put it on the, on the doorposts on the top and on the sides, and the blood would drip down and the death angel would pass by. What happened at the cross? There was blood coming from Jesus' head and from His hands and from His feet. It was in, it was in, a, in, a, in a perfect example or, or picture of what the cross was going to do. But when they left Egypt, there were many who could never get the identity of them, uh, uh, of lose the identity, I should say, of being slaves, of being uh, in, unable to live free. It took a generation in the wilderness. You remember they came to the Red Sea and they cried out and they said, let's just go back. This, this goofy nut with this big white beard and this staff is, is leading us. They didn't say it exactly like that, but, you know, that's my rendition. They said, he's got us in a point now. Now we're going to get beaten worse. We're going to get destroyed. Some of us might die out here in the wilderness. When they came to the Red Sea, there was a mountain on either side and a, and a sea in front of them. And Pharaoh had decided, wait a minute, we don't want to let them go. We're going to come capture them. If you ever watched the, the old, old movie of, of, uh, of Moses, the old-time the old version, it's pretty cool. You know, uh, you'd laugh at the graphics now, I know. But, but it, was, it was a great uh, picture of that. But what did God say? God told Moses, lift up the rod and go across that, that Red Sea. Go forward. And they went forward on dry ground. God supernaturally parted the Red Sea, dried the ground, allowed them to get across. And, but he didn't stop there. He waited for their enemy to get into the midst of that water. And what did he do? Collapse it on them. He made them unable, the enemy unable to, to move away from there. And he took care of their enemies right then. That should have been enough. He set them free. He destroyed their enemies, their captor and their enemies' power, took it completely, in fact, removed him from the situation. And yet, and they sang and danced and shouted, Oh, how awesome our God is. But just went a little bit further and began to gripe and complain because they couldn't lose the mentality, the mentality of being slaves. See, here's the thing. That's the, this is the foundational, a foundational thing that we got to realize. We in and of ourselves can't get good enough. You may get good enough in a lot of things. Some of you are gifted and talented in, 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 in very amazing things. It may be a, a skill. It may be through education. It may be something you've done over and over repeatedly. I asked Tuesday night, I said, Rick, that, 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 uh, that violin or that fiddle, I like, we like to call it fiddle, yeah, it looks easy. looks easy. How many hours a day did it take you uh, to, 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 to get proficient at that? He told me two and a half hours a day. I said, well, that tells me why I'm not very good at guitar. I'm only average at guitar. I spend about an hour a week. 
you know, roping or, or, or welding as, as Ed does, any, anything. I mean, I'm a pretty good welder, but I don't weld as good as he does because I weld occasionally. I don't weld every day. I'm a, I'm a decent carpenter, but, but Lon's very good at, at what he does because he does it every day. All the things that we do repeatedly, we do it all the time. We get proficient at it. But we have to be willing to go through the process of transformation and change. We have to take God at his word. You know, here's the thing. They went, they went out into that wilderness for 40 years, and they roamed and they wandered, and it looked like nothing was happening. It looked like God wasn't doing anything. But the amazing thing they was doing is he was bringing them a new identity. He brought them from a people who said, we can't go into that promised land. I'm not turning there for the sake of time because I really didn't even plan on talking about all this, but it's sure fitting really good. They sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan right after they came out. You know, God's best plan for them was to go from point A to point B, two-week journey in the wilderness, get to the promised land, drive out the enemy, live in their new homes, their new vineyards, their, use their new wells, live in abundance and the blessing that God had provided for them. But they, they were lost in their old, or they were captive to their old identity. They weren't captive, but they were still captive. See, Jesus came to get to set us free. That's all that Romans is talking about all up through here. And even, even to this point, he's talking about how we can be set free. He's talking about how we have this new identity, and yet we're held, by, we're held captive to what's in our past. Or we're held captive in our mind. We can't get the real to stop that says, no, you can't. When God said, yes, you can you know, it's amazing, an amazing thing. They had to go through 40 years in the wilderness. I don't believe that's, I don't believe that's required. To, the time is, that time length is required, but the process is. There were some who were alive that day, the first opportunity, when the first opportunity came to go into the promised land. You remember Joshua and Caleb. They were, they were some of, the, some of the spies who went in, and they, they saw the giant cities and the giant people and the, and, the, and the strong warriors, and they saw that stuff, but they heard God say, but you can have it now, because they said, let's take it at once. And the other ten spies said, no, we can't do it. The other ten spies said, no, we can't. And the people went, well, okay, we're going to take the ten spies' advice. We're, we're going to listen to them. Because in themselves, they couldn't see it. They said, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Not even in, in fact, you find out later on, they were in stark terror of God and his people. They hadn't even seen them yet, but the people on the other side of the Jordan, the people in those cities, they were already worried and in fear, knowing that God was with this people and they could not defeat them. They didn't see them them as grasshoppers, they saw them as giants because of the God they had, and yet the people couldn't see it. Too often times, we settle for what's in our mind, and we've allowed ourselves to be shaped by our past and by other people. We allow ourselves to be limited. The Bible even says in Psalms that they limited the Holy One of Israel by their unbelief. In fact, God, God told them, he said, you can have what you say because they said, we're just going to die out here in the wilderness. And he said, all right. Y'all die and get out of the way of the ones that want to go on forward. 
And I want you to be encouraged by the fact that the old generation died, but it wasn't because they were old. It was because they couldn't be transformed. There were some who, as old folks, walked in. Joshua and Caleb walked in, and, and, and Caleb said, I want that mountain. I want the one where the big guys are, where, the, where, the, where, where I had seen the sons of Anak, the giants. That's where I want to go. Come on, guys. Let's take that mountain. God said we can have it. See, a lot of times we, we limit ourselves because of our past or because of our small thinking, and we need to ask ourselves, God, what's the identity that I need to have? Hold your place there in, the, in, in Romans, and I want you to go over to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah is, one of the, is the most quoted Old Testament book by New Testament, uh, or quoted the most in the New Testament, you could say. And there's so much here that, that I'm, I'm going to try not to get into, into the weeds. I'm not going to chase the rabbits. There's a lot here that I could teach on. But I want us to look at verse 9 specifically. Well, we can add verse 8. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. You know, I want to pause right there because... This is a fair question that we ask ourselves. Are our thoughts in line with God's thoughts? A lot of people, I've heard this, not a lot of people, but I've heard this preached before, that God's way up here and we're way down here. And while it's true, I understand the thought of God is always going to be a higher being. I mean, we are not God. We need to understand that. But God didn't leave us in the dirt. He didn't, he didn't cause us to be less than. He wants us to have His thoughts. He, this is really a, a, a negative word uh, against them that they were not thinking high enough. The Apostle Paul said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But he didn't say, think less of yourself. <laughs> but he says, your thoughts aren't right. You're not thinking right. You're not thinking like I think. He goes on in verse 9, and he says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, i tell you what, sometimes we, where our identity is concerned, we just have to take God at His word. He said, you're, you're forgiven. He said, you're chosen. He said, you're re restored. You're, 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 the price has been paid I mean, God, we got to understand we are a child of God, and that's what Romans is talking about. We are an adopted child of God. You're brought in. And in the Greek culture, that meant you get everything a blood son or daughter gets. Well, back then, only the sons got inheritance uh, <clears throat> under the Greek culture, but, but that's why he only mentions sons when he talks about that. But it doesn't exclude you ladies, all right? Uh, so, but we need to have an understanding. Their thoughts were lower than God's thoughts, just like the children of Israel. We got to make sure our thoughts are not lower than God's thoughts where our identity is concerned. If we see ourselves, here's the thing, if we see ourselves as a child of God, we ought to also then see ourselves as heirs of God and join heirs with Jesus Christ, as he said there in Romans chapter 8. And he gives us the, the understanding that if we have that, then we ought to change our opinion of ourselves, and we ought to change how we carry ourselves. 
I'll promise you that Donald Trump's sons are not, not, not questioning whether or not they have uh, power and authority. They're, they're, they're not questioning. You could take any other high person of, of power and, 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 and money. They're going to be comfortable with the fact that they expect people to, to treat them different, do things different. Like them or not, whatever, I'm not getting off into that, any of those weeds, but I, I want you to understand that that's a good example of, of people who uh, have a name and they've been raised to understand they are a Trump, or you could say you are a, when a Rockefeller, or you were a whatever name that had these things. But there is an inheritance and there is a, a sonship and daughtership that is better than any name that the world could provide, and that is that I am God's child. I'm a, I'm a brother of Jesus, sister of Jesus. I mean, I'm a joint heir. Obviously, Jesus being God as well. But that is, that is our identity, and when we have that identity and understanding, then we'll, squit, we'll quit groveling We'll quit expecting negative and we'll start to expect something different. We start to see ourselves. What does that mean? That means that all that God promised for His people, we are qualified for. But see, the children of Israel died in the wilderness because they had to go through a process of change and the ones who couldn't, they, they would not change. They died in the wilderness. But the ones who chose that to, to receive that new identity, when they came, the Joshua generation, the, the ones who, who came when Joshua took over for Moses, when he stepped in as leader, he was now an older man, but he would have been one of the young ones back there at the time when they began to go in the, in, in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb's age, I, I'm not sure what their age was when they went in. I said a while ago they were, they were older. They were older, by golly, uh, than, than uh, by the time they got ready to go in. But we're going to look at this and realize and understand and see that the identity is so much different. We've got to have God's thoughts. What does God say about you? You know, one of the, one of the, the, the scriptures that I think about, let's turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Concerning our needs, concerning how God provides for us, Concerning how God works in, for our benefit. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. We could, we could probably quote it, most of you. You should be able to if you can't. This would be a good one to write out on a sticky note, stick on your, on your mirror and, and get it resonating in your heart and settled in your mind. Now to him who is able, who's able? God's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to His power, not your power, according to His power. See, you, you, you're giving, given access to God. You're given benefits from God. You're given things from God just simply because you're a child of God. We've got to not limit ourselves. He's at work within us. See, uh, now to Him, again, who is able. First of all, we've got to see God is able. Most people don't struggle too much with that. You see, God's able. But, but, but think about this. To do immeasurably more than we ask or think. So if He's going to do more than we ask or think, where is He doing it in our life? He's doing it in our life. That's where it gets to be difficult. So oh, I can see God doing amazing things. He's, he's creator of the universe. He's, he's I, I, I can believe it. But, but what about for you? 
Does your mind limit you sometimes? Do your thoughts get too small? I wrote this in, in, in my notes. Thoughts about prayer personal and personal intercession. God has a view of things that we cannot see. What is impossible to us is nothing to Him. Listen to these statements. Light is more powerful than darkness. You ever notice that? You flip on a light, where's darkness go? Away. It doesn't hold up. If, 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 when the sun comes up, it may be cloudy at times, but it, darkness can't stay. Truth is stronger than error or lies. There's more grace in God's heart than sin in men's hearts. That's why I say it's so proudful of us to think that we can't be forgiven. You're saying God's blood's not enough. You're saying God isn't big enough. You're thinking too small. You're held captive. There's more power in the Holy Spirit to convict men of sin than power of Satan to force Satan's forces to tempt men to sin. That'll give you encouragement, praying for those who are lost in your family or friends. Believing God, the power of the Holy Spirit to convict them and to bring them to repentance is more powerful. There's also more power in one drop of the shed blood of Jesus to cleanse men's heart than there is to accumulate, or than there is in the accumulated rot of men's sin from Adam, since Adam and Eve. You can add it all up together in one drop of Jesus' blood. It's still more powerful. There's no sin greater. See, we need to have thoughts like God. We need to see Him able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. But it's according to the power that works in us. You've got to understand where that power comes from. That power comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's what He continues on here in Romans chapter 8. Let's go back over there. We've got to realize the importance of the Holy Spirit's help in, in all that we do. Today there's a lot said about our identity, but our identity is clearly given here. It, it, the, the question is asked or, or is answered when asked, who am I? I'm an adopted child of God. If you don't, don't get your identity right, you're not going to get your community right, and you'll never get your purpose right. Uh, I want to read this statement. Simplify in your mind as Christians. My identity is not in my performance my popularity, my pedigree, but I'm an adopted child of God. Some of you may have a good name and a family, and that's a benefit. Some of you may not. But at the foot of the cross, and when we accept Jesus as our Lord, we're all becoming king's kids, and our value becomes is, is in Him. That means his, his name is the greatest name, and it can provide us the, the standing in this world that we need. See, I don't earn it. It's a free gift. It's ordained by the Father, purchased by the Son, and applied by the Holy Spirit. The other thing that comes as a, as a result and as a benefit of our new identity and use in receiving Christ is that there's a new intimacy that's available. We can all of a sudden approach God differently. We all of a sudden have access to God that we didn't have before. In the Old Testament... Moses was given access. Joshua and Aaron were given access to God. They would go to the tent of meeting. The rest of the people couldn't go. In fact, there were times when God said, don't let one of them, an animal or a person, touch this mountain because the presence of God would kill them. The Ark of the Covenant was, was being moved when David was bringing it back from when the Philistines had stolen it. 
And they were bringing it back on a cart, and it tipped. And one of the, one of the men, one of the guys that was carrying it or, or, or helping it get there, reached out to steady it, and it killed, he touched it, and it killed him. Why? He was not holy. He was not able to be in the presence of God. But all that changed when Jesus provided us forgiveness, repentance, and the new birth. Now the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell on the inside of us. Now we have access that's entirely different. Now we have a fellowship with God. He's not way off somewhere. He's right here in us. He's right here with us. He's not in a building. He's here. He's here because we're here. So that term Abba is, is, means dearest daddy or, or the term of closeness and affection. And, and, and look, let's look at, let's jump ahead to verse, uh, verse uh, 26. Actually, actually, let me, let me hold up here a minute. Hold up here a minute. Let, let me read. Um, I'm not going to read that. I'm, I'm winding, speeding this. In this new place, we gain confidence and security. We now have boldness before God to come to Him and to know that he won't reject us. I do want to turn over real quickly to Hebrews chapter 4. Hold your place. We're coming back there. But Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to get this done really quick without leaving too much because I want to, get to, I want to wrap this up next week so that we can take a break for Easter. Chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verse uh, 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in all ways, just like we are, yet he did not sin. Let us, now this is the verse I wanted to get to. Let us therefore approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Now I want you to understand something. Whenever we come into God's presence, whenever, whenever we uh, understand and, and, and grow in the things of God, when we, when we grab a hold of who we are in this identity and we understand this new intimacy that we have, it means that we can come boldly into God's throne. It doesn't mean, or throne room, it doesn't mean flippantly, but it does mean without care or concern. It doesn't mean you're backing in. You're not, you're not bound out. You ever, you ever watch any of these uh, medieval type shows where the throne room, you know, and, and boy, people came in there. I love that stuff, man. I, 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 think, I think it's cool. Uh, anyway, um, but the throne room is where stuff happened. Good, bad, and ugly. If you, if you got the king's blessing, what did you have? You had the name and the authority and the right to do whatever the king said. King said no is a bad deal, right? <laughs> you, you ask the wrong things, you might get, you know, but that's not the way it is with God. We come in as sons and daughters. We come in with boldness and confidence, and we can come in and receive what? Grace and help, mercy and help in time of need. You know, uh, here, going back over to Romans chapter 8, I want to get this verse 26. He says, Romans 8, 26, he says, in this same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know when we do not know what we ought to pray for, but, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through uh, wordless groans. And He who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God, God's people, in accordance with the will of God. 
Now, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a, a, another value that comes as a result of having identity with God and also then giving us uh, intimacy with God, even as access to the very throne room of God. Now, understand something. I, I've done some study on this, uh, this verse. Um, we got to realize the importance of the Holy Spirit's help in our prayers. And we should never suppose that we completely know how to pray for as we ought. So having humility in prayer will, uh, is, uh, and willingness to wait and yield the direction of the Holy Spirit will make our prayers more effective. You know, as I teach prayer, I, I, I teach this type of thing, but we need to ask for and understand that we have, as children of God, the help of the Holy Spirit so that we then begin to be effective in our prayers. That's, that's part of what Romans chapter 8 begins with, with, with giving us the right identity, the freedom from sin, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the right identity coming into the presence of God and then accessing the help of the Holy Spirit to make our prayers effective. Isn't it amazing how he says that in the same way the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know how to pray? Problem is a lot of times we go into a prayer, right? We think we know what we're praying for. I, I, I'm assuming you're like me. I, I, there have been times where I've gone to God and I've prayed and I've said, okay, God, I know exactly how to fix this problem. Here, God, let me tell you. Here, God, God bless this situation. God, heal this right now. God, change this thing. God, provide this money. God, do this. God, do that. And we're telling God what to do. And while we have the right to speak God's will according to His Word and after getting the leadership of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we get the cart before the horse and we go to praying our will instead of God's. And what he's saying is he says, let the Holy Spirit help you in your weakness. Lead you, guide you. He's, I, 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 wrote, I wrote this out of my Spiritual Life Bible. It has a commentary in there by Jack Hayford. I, I love this. He says, don't miss the thrill of seeing God move in your prayers by presuming that you know what's best. God has a plan of our, and our finite minds can't conceive all God wants to do in, in and through us. He may want to use the gifts of the Spirit. He may want to give us visions and dreams. He may want to work miracles to prove His love and, rea and, and reality, etc. He may develop in us something because we waited, fasted, stood, moved, and, and then moved in obedience. You know, here's the thing. In our fellowship time with God, after we ha understand whose we are and, and we come into that presence and we begin to pray, we can begin to see God at work. But we got to ask for the help, the helper of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit. we got to be willing to, to take that time with Him and allow Him to, to guide and direct us in our prayer time. <clears throat> this word help, it means... Um, it does not indicate that the Spirit prays instead of us, but the Spirit takes part with us and makes our weak prayers effective. Groanings here are most likely human in our distress and anguish, which would not be fitting for God, but expressions of us as mere men. Hebrews 5, 7, and 8, it talked about how... Uh, there was, there was obedience in, in Jesus' prayers at times whenever he would be sorrowful, he would be in, in anguish at, in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Lord, you know, if there's any other way, and yet he turned his will to God's. 
in our anguish, in our groaning, in our not knowing how to put it into words, the number one thing in our prayer life needs to be that we're willing to yield to God and follow His help and allow God, to, uh, the Holy Spirit to lead us. As we express through tears and anguish our needs or are just, and are, or are just not sure or are limited, the Holy Spirit is at work to make our prayers effective. One of the things that I believe is, is so powerful about these, these verses, this verse here, is that he begins to make up the difference. You know, I do believe we need to be specific in prayer. I believe that when we understand who we are in Christ and, 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 and that, that we have access to God, I believe when we have that, that intimacy with God that we can, can pray bold prayers. But I also know that the, there's times when we're limited and, and in those times of limitation, the Holy Spirit will make up the difference. There's times when, when all we can do is, is, is in that limitation is cry out to God in, in what capacity we have at the moment. The Holy Spirit will make up the difference. But I also know that He expects us to sit in, that, in those times of prayer and not just do all the talking. When we understand we're a child of God, we have access to the King. When we have intimacy with Him, means that we can, have, we can come to Him with sincerity of heart. It means that He can both show us what to pray and He can help us when we pray ineffectively. But He doesn't want to leave us in that. And we, we can't just come in with the idea of say, well, we just pray and God will figure it out. No, I think we need to be a little more thorough than that. But until we are, do know, God's at work for us. Man, I, I tell you what, I, I hurried that a little bit, but I, I believe that, you, you, that you'll be able to take that and grow in that. I want, to, I want to wrap up. I want, didn't want to get into those extra verses until later because that last part of this chapter, I believe, is the triumph of, of the whole of chapter 8. You get all these things that we build towards, and then we walk in the fullness and the triumph of it as, it, as, this, as these verses end up. And so we'll work on that for next week. Let's stand and let's pray and just allow God to <clears throat> be at work in our lives. We want all that God has for us. I believe that that's true with the people of this church, the people that be watching. So let's pray together. Father, we just come before you. Lord, we humbly say, Lord, sometimes our thoughts aren't as high as they need to be. Sometimes we're limiting ourselves. But Father, there's a simple solution for that. Lord, forgive me for limiting you by my lack of belief and my lack of willingness to be obedient, my, my lack of willingness to follow you. Father, if you, I want to set my heart to do things your way. If you said do it, I want to do it. If you can pray that prayer, if you can make that statement, God can begin to work in your life. Lord, I want to, to, to know that I'm your child. So Lord, I take you at your word. If you've made Jesus Christ Lord, you're a child of God. You're adopted as a son, as a daughter. Not based on what you did, but based on what he did. Lord, we receive that. You can also pray in your heart, Lord, I want to, I want to know you more. I want to draw closer to you. I want to have access to the throne of, of, of God and know that you're, you're hearing my prayers. And Lord, I want every bit of help that I, that I need. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're my helper. You can pray that prayer and say, Lord, give me the helper, the Holy Spirit, 
to guide me, direct me, to strengthen me, to do all the attributes, all the things that you provide in your word. We praise you and we glorify you for it and ask you to bless these folks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.